What's up, everybody? It's Craig Spodak. Hope you're doing great. I was recently on the ACT Dental Practice Coaching Podcast with Kirk Barrent. Kirk's a great guy. He's got great energy. I love his enthusiasm for dentistry. And uh, I was really proud of what we talked about. I think um, it's something we all need to listen to. So pay attention. You'll hear it right here. And like always, if you enjoy the content, if you think it's relevant for someone else to hear it, please drop a comment, drop a like, tag a friend, share it, do everything you can to help us spread our message. We love what we do, we love our profession, and we're all about spreading it. Take care, everybody. Hope you enjoy. Craig, many people know you. Like, you're the bulletproof guy. Now, I know you more than that because you've done some incredible things. You were on here earlier. I think, you know, I'm going to have you back for many other things. We're going to talk about masterminds. Uh, scalability, all that stuff. But today we're going to be focused on the bulletproof practice. If somebody's never heard Dr. Greg, Craig Spodak, what you do, tell them a little bit of your story. Where do you practice? All that stuff. Okay. Well, good to have, good to be back on the show, Kirk. I'm a big fan of what you're doing and I appreciate the spirit in which you're doing it. We're trying to uh, lift each other up. It's a small community and uh, I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to share what I've learned and uh, learn from you as well. So in a nutshell, I joined my father's practice like 100 years ago in 1998 after graduating from Tufts Dental School. And it, at the time, it was a really small operation. My mom ran the front desk. There was one appointment book with a pencil that you had to like write in to take a, put an appointment down. We, it was a very technologically not very advanced practice. And my mom and dad had always done it a certain way. And they were not very receptive to my grand ideas of what we could accomplish. Um, long story short, I built my own practice. My dad came along with me. He, he describes it as hanging onto the wing of a jet airplane. He jokes with me. And uh, we built a 13,000 square foot, 18 operatory facility here in Delray Beach, Florida. It was LEED Gold certified. So it was an environmentally sustainable facility. My dream was to revolutionize the way dentistry was practiced. So at the time, I thought to have all the specialists under one roof and have my own lab and build an iconic culture. And uh, yeah, just fast forward to now, learned a lot, a lot of things I do differently. But um, everything that I've done has brought me to a place where I get to share my knowledge and experience and all my my butt kickings along the way. So uh, I'm here now, um, started the Bulletproof Dental Practice, um, basically a podcast, and we've turned it into a book. We do summits. We do some coaching as well with my partner, Dr. Peter Bolden out of Atlanta. That's an interesting story how that happened as well. We'll put a pin in that for later. But uh, that's kind of how I got to this point. Yeah, I want to talk about your podcast and all that uh, step by step. I want to go back to one thing, though. One of the things I love about you is you are you are a committed learner. Like you are all about learning, putting yourselves in circles. Like you got, you got to invite me to some of your stuff because some of the people you hang around with are like big shots, like you know, Tony Robbins is like a patient of yours, all this stuff. Like you're, you've just done a great job of putting yourself in the ring on the learning side. Can you just talk about your philosophy around that? So I, I'm, I'm a really good connector. If I have one superpower, I connect well with people. So it's helped me enroll patients in treatment that I believe is best for them. But it's also just helped me build relationships. Um, I'm genuinely interested in people. So um, I, I have the proximity, like you said, uh, Tony Robbins is a patient, but I find people just interesting. The other day, um, 
I, I recognized somebody in my waiting room and I didn't quite know how I recognized him. And that's common for me. I'm like, they look familiar. Maybe I, I met him at a restaurant or something like that. But I kind of wave to the person and the person waves back at me and we start talking. And halfway through the conversation, I realized he's an actor. And that's how I know him. I think I know him from like being at like Denny's with him or seeing him somewhere. He's right. an actor. And I was just was connecting with this person. Like halfway through, I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait. I, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were this person. They go, like, oh, I thought you waved to me. And I'm like, oh, no, I just didn't even know. I just, so I have this natural ability to connect, which is a real blessing for me. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And then I, I also think of why are these people in my life? I, I believe that everybody comes into your life for a reason. Um, I know that's cliche, but uh, many of the times that I've met people, it's like, oh, like, I, I got to learn from this. This can't happen again. I've even met people before and actually physically said like, oh, I'm really thankful for you. You're interesting, you know, uh, and I get to know people and I get to learn from people. And I think life is all about, you know, sequential and nonstop learning. You just keep learning and it's okay to stay a consummate beginner and a consummate learner. I think it's really cool. I love it. And we're going to continue to learn from you. Now, I want you to talk about the origin of the bulletproof concept. Where to come from? What does it mean? What do you guys do? Start there. So funny story, actually. So goes back to four years ago on my birthday, uh, August 26th, um, a bromance was formed. So uh, Peter Bolden, my partner, reaches out to me on Instagram and says, hey, listen, buddy, I'm kind of following what you're doing. I like what you're doing online. It's um, I'm watching you and I'm observing. And I, I think the air is pretty thin at the way we both practice, the love we both practice. And I'd love to get together. And the funny thing was, is I was actually following him. So I was following Atlanta Dental Spa. I was bringing the marketing materials to my own marketing people and saying, these are the guys. These are, this is what we have to copy. So unbeknownst to the two of us, we were modeling after each other, and uh, we wound up linking up. He came down to Florida and hung out with me for the weekend, and he had a podcast that had like two or three episodes on it. I literally invited myself onto the podcast. I'm like, yeah, let me get on it. He's like, okay. And we started, and then that turned into a book. And we wrote a book. We published a book two years ago, and the book is uh, something I'm very proud of, something that we wrote just for the pure sake of giving back to dentistry and helping dentists. Um, Peter and I have PhDs in getting our asses kicked over 50 years or 40 years cumulatively. So our goal is we want the people ahead of us um, or behind us rather that are following in our footsteps to not have to go through what we had to go through. So when we sat down with our publisher, it was an interesting question. He's like, so what are you guys trying to sell? And it like floored Peter and I because we had never really thought of that. We're like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, people don't self-publish a book unless they're trying to sell something. We're like, well, honestly, we're not trying to sell anything. And that was the true point. At that point, we had nothing to buy. And there was no intention to have something to buy. Um, But as time has gone on, people have created deeper connections and guidance from us. So we've put on some other things for them to do. But the book is now free. Uh, It's free plus shipping. It was being sold. You can check it out on Amazon if you want to hear. If you want to hear my voice for a couple hours, you can download the Audible. That was torture. That's another thing we can talk about. But uh, the book is now free. So it's freebpbook.com. Yeah. Now define bulletproof. So if, if somebody would ask you, okay, what is a bulletproof practice? What does that mean to you? So, so the thing that defines people's success, in my opinion, is their hunger and their resiliency. Because what has to happen is you have to be hungry to achieve more. You have to want something bigger for yourself. That's the first step. And then during that path, you're going to get bullets at you. You can call the bullets 
you know, COVID or HR regulations or a lawsuit or, or burnout, whatever it is. I, I, I think of this infographic I use and it's like bullets raining in from all of you. It might be, you know, a big corporate DSO is opening right down the street or one of your key doctors leaves, your hygienist quits. They're just raining in. So a bulletproof practice to me is one that takes the challenges and hardens from the challenges. They get better. You don't just survive and persist. You actually evolve and thrive through the challenges. The very famous Winston Churchill quote, I think I'm going to bastardize it, but here it is. It's basically success is taking, building a building with the bricks people are throwing at you. And everyone has those challenges. I know you look at Kirk, you look at this doctor, that doctor. Maybe some of you look at me and say, oh, if I got to that level, oh my God, life is going to be so easy. It's not. It's constant challenge. You just get better as time goes on. So the challenges that used to literally break you to nothing five years ago will just leave, bounce right off of you. So a bulletproof practice is one in which all the systems are designed and the psychology is right to defend yourself against any bullet that may be coming at you. Right. And I listen to your podcast. I'm a big fan. But talk about this, too. You're a dentist. Like being a dentist and an entrepreneur in the world, you know, it's not an easy path. It's isolating at times. There are times you come home, you try to talk to your spouse. People don't understand it. Sometimes, like I had a dentist describe this. He's like, oh, I just let go of a team member and now everyone's upset at me type of thing. You feel like you're alone at times and you often wonder, when is this going to get better type of a thing? But you're talking about like, I don't know how to, I I like simplify it. Like sometimes you just got to have better day, more good days than you do bad days. Let's start there. Then the bullet, because it never stops. The bullets don't go away. It's not like you get to a certain level. People think, and this is another episode, as soon as I get an associate, my problems are going to go away, right? Talk about that. Oh, well, as soon as they get a second location or a third or, or a fourth or another associate, as soon as they get this or that. So there's something I like to think of about happily achieving versus achieving to be happy. So I wrote on my, I was on, I put a poll up on my Instagram yesterday, what comes first, joy or success? Um, And it was interesting to see the remarks and I know the people, so I could see the poll and see where people are at. But I think the decision to have a better day is entirely up to you. You can decide if on your way to work and you spill the coffee on your lap and someone cuts you off. You can decide at that moment before you ever enter the office if today's going to be a good day or a bad day. And we talk about skill set and psychology and everybody, every dentist, when they're, they're challenged, they run for more skills. I just need to go to that course or this course, or the one minute endo or the five minute this or the that. Or the, and it's really a lot. We, we neglect the psychology. Psychology is most of it. So one thing about becoming a bulletproof practice and going through the lumps in the road is that you realize they didn't destroy you. They made you, they made you better. And you start to, to develop a sense of self-resilience and self-reliance. And that's what enables you to have a better psychology. I've been through that. I had that. I did that. So it's, it's, it's kind of going through the path. So if I had one wish and hope for my audience or the audience that's listening to us now, it's just learn from people that have gone before you. Obviously, do it in your own way. You're going to have to skin your knees. But no matter what, at a certain point, your fulfillment and your happiness is going to be the art that you have to design. It's an art of fulfillment. It's not a science of it. It's not like when I get that or when I get this, uh-huh. fulfillment's going to show up. It never does. Kirk, you're a highly successful guy. For a while, there was like, if I could just start Act Dental and reach more doctors, I'd be happy. And then, you know, things get on and you have more employees and more things and more challenges and you spin in one plate and another plate and you spin it with your feet. 
Oh, and then you drop a bunch of plates and they're yeah, do this anymore. And then how many plates, you know, <laughs> I, that's a, that's a whole nother episode in itself. And I, you know, expand on that a little bit because I love what you're saying. And I love the question that you're posing, but let me play devil's advocate. Craig, sure. I'm watching, I'm 32 years old. Dude, you know, you don't know how much debt I have. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to have kids like easy for you to say, you know, you walked in a situation. I get it. But like, what would you say? I, Cause you talk to students too. You know, where do I start if I'm 32 and I've got all this debt, you know, like give me a framework. What do you think? So the good, that, that's a great question. I'm happy, you know, because the first, the first thing is to deflect, you know, of course it's easy for you. Of course it's, you know, you live in Ohio, you live wherever. I mean, there, there's two things that I like to talk about and, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it. It's fixed and growth mindsets. So people that have growth mindsets always use the word yet. I'm not good at this yet. I don't have it yet. I haven't learned it yet. And a growth and a fixed mindset is just like, I am just not, people don't learn. People don't change. It's easy for them. They don't have to do the work. You know, when you watch the, I watched the documentary of the, um, the last, uh, what the heck was it? The Michael Jordan documentary, you know, and I was stunned at how many times during Michael Jordan's career, he was at the top of his game. I would have tapped out. I've been like, been there, done it, got the t-shirt, I'm done. But what does that guy do? He gets back in the gym the first morning after and does his free throw shots. So there's something about people that are just always hungry and always wanting to grow and always willing to fail that leads them to be happier. So if you're looking, if you're listening, if you're 32 or 33 and you're saying, geez, I got boatloads of debt and I'm feeling defeated already, you've got to change that psychology because that psychology of of not being fulfilled and feeling the crushing loads of your debt, you've got to get uncomfortable being uncomfortable because what will likely happen is you'll wind up building a practice and your debt won't go away. It'll actually increase. And if you want to grow even more, you might even buy a, a cone bean or a Sarac, or you might even take on a second location. So the idea that you have this, this problem, this, this weight on your back, it just doesn't go away. You just get used to carrying it. Right. And I hope that doesn't sound callous or crass. It's just, I meet a lot of very, very wealthy people because I practice in an affluent area. And those people that have boatloads of money are still feeling poor and still feeling the crushing blow of what they don't have. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a human condition. It doesn't go away. Right. So right. now go back to this because this is worth it. What you said already, fixed and growth mindset, which I absolutely believe. We talk about growth mindset, but I, I wasn't really considering the opposite mindset. So I have two questions on, the, on what you just said. Do you think that's teachable, you know, fixed and growth? And then as a dentist, you might be thinking, well, I'm totally growth minded. What if my team members aren't growth minded? Talk about that because I'm sure you've experienced that in your career. So it's not, it, not only is it teachable, but we all have certain areas of our world that is fixed and growth. So you and I like to consider ourselves open-minded and growth mindset oriented, but you and I have fixed mindset around certain things. We've tried it. We've done it. It didn't work. And it was too painful. We got teased for it. You know, so even, even no one is just fixed or growth. And by the way, cultures have fixed and growth mindset. You know, the PayPal mafia, the Elon Musk that got together with a whole bunch of other guys that started PayPal, they all went on to start other things. It was a growth mindset culture. Google's got a growth mindset culture. So there's cultures that have growth mindset as well. And you, you always hear about a bad team member being like a cancer. That person just sometimes doesn't want to grow. 
and they want to hold everybody back because they, the change that you're trying to elicit is scary for them. You know, they say, you know, it, this, I just stick to what I know. It's working. It's working good enough. And the culture is saying, no, we can even be better. So right. it's not just, um, not only is it, not, is it teachable, but it, it, can, it can embody your culture as well. And I think it's yeah. really important to look at that. Well, let me go a layer even learn. Like I, w- I would imagine you, you probably don't do your interviews anymore, but when you're looking for team members and you're, yeah, I mean, this is cliche too, but having the right team is key. Yeah. So I'm so happy you brought that up, Kirk. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, cause I want to get specific with you. Specific is always terrific. I would imagine you're looking for these things when you're looking for potential team members. Are they fixed or are they growth minded? Can you explain? Can you, and I haven't prepped you with this question. I'm just, yeah, I love it. I love this question now. All right, go there. This is, this is, this is, this points to what I first said. Remember how I said I have a superpower. It's called I'm a connector. I connect right. with people. Right. So that is really, really bad when you're interviewing people. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. So we were just talking about this this morning. Barb, <laughs> who is our CFO, she was afraid to go on vacation. Because we'd go on vacation and there'd be a new employee and Barb would go, where'd you find her? I was like, I saw her at Starbucks. Yeah, she likes sushi. Oh my God, Barb. She, she, she just smiles a lot. She makes everybody. Oh, yeah. And Barb would go, well, what's she going to do? I go, I don't know. Like, She's great. You got to get to know her. So, so why that's is my, that bad? Why is that so, bad? So I'm a connector, right? So it's great when you meet the Tony Robbins of the world and you get proximity with them. I could find... I, I can find the beauty in anyone. And I've hot if if you put me to hire somebody, all I'll do during the interview is find the commonalities between me and that person. I'll build rapport. I'm like, oh my God, Sally, she likes sushi. She seems great. Look at the she's great. Her energy's awesome because I like people. I'm right. like a Labrador. I'll like go up and I'll want to be pet by you. And I like to be liked and I like them and it's all great. So I'm, you know, so if you put me in the hiring position, I will destroy. Not destroy, that's a harsh word, but I will severely impact our culture. I've done it. I've done it. I literally hired somebody that um, I Googled after and had a mugshot. And the story that goes with that is not appropriate for this portion of it. But I'm because I've done the same thing. But she was very nice. And I literally, she was a hygienist and I went over to the hygiene team. And it's basically like I have a hygiene team of eight, eight ladies, very, very capable, wonderful leaders. And I literally said like, here, here, ladies. Here's your new wife. Here's your new wife. Enjoy. Have fun. Like that's kind of like what it is. It's an arranged marriage. Like you when you see right. these old films of other cultures, it's like, here's who you're gonna be arranged to marry. So the the hiring happens at the department through the department that they're going into. And by the way, I use the word department. So I don't care if you have one hygienist, you have a hygiene department. Right. So don't hear like you have to have 50. It's just you bring the the my hygienist, hire the hygienist, everybody hires who they want. It's always a trial hire. And now at this point, it's this little, it's so well orchestrated that literally we have people that are trying to go out to other offices and, and poach their team. Like it's not even me that's doing it. It's like, oh, I have a friend. She works, you know, 30 miles away. I'm going to see if she'll move down to our area. It's like that right now, which is really cool. Okay. So in that, I mean, I've got a million questions for you already. One of my questions is this, as you start to grow and those individual departments take responsibility for those. So hygiene, which I totally agree. Do you have department leaders? Are they responsible? And then, you know, the, the question always becomes, well, is there a pecking order? Like how do what I even like, that's such a tricky conversation for a small private practice. Can you just speak on that just for a little bit? Cause I get that question. I'm like, Ooh, that's a tough one. Let's come back to that one later. Let's ask you that question. Okay, so I find leadership to be a very 
um, troubling terminology, a, a word to use. Why? Because so, you can't appoint a leader. A leader is appointed. So leadership is earned. I know this is all going to sound like a whole bunch of cliche bullshit, but this is the truth. So I was at a meeting the other day, like an internal team meeting. It was for our Invisalign team. And there was a lot of talk about like, who's going to be the leader. Like, I think I should be the leader. I think I should be the leader. And I just said, Hey guys, what, what I want to do is I want to find areas of functional ownership. I want people to own certain aspects of this. So you're going to own this aspect of it, or who wants to own this aspect of this. And what winds up happening is over time, the person that owns the most amount of it and that holds the team most accountable, that position will manifest itself. The leader's the one that everybody always goes to. So leadership is truly earned. And, and people say like, you know, Simon Sinek has a famous thing for saying like, if you're sitting on an elevator or standing on an elevator rather, and the doors are closing, you see someone running towards the doors and one person, everybody's looking at each other, the doors are closing, some woman's running with groceries or something. And you're the one who sticks your hand in the elevator and allows the self-opening mechanism to open. That person's a leader. So leadership is not standing on stage and being a charismatic woman or man and having all the stage presence. There's all types of leadership. And we're all leaders in certain domains of our life. So leadership is just the person who people are willing to follow. And when you appoint that, you can cause a lot of problems. In my experience, it causes a a lot of problems. Same way like when you hire the hygienist, like here's your new, you know, office wife. It's the same thing with leader. Here's your leader. This person's right. like never showing up. And it's almost like this, you know, you can think of the workplace as like a, a family. So all the workers of the kid, you know, the employees, the team members of the kids, and the boss is like the mom and the office manager is like the dad or something. And then the, the, the employees in bad culture are like just trying to make the mom and dad think they're doing a good job. And then to the team, they're really not supporting each other. They're like pulling each other's hair and poking each other and like throwing popcorn at each other. And like they, they tell to the manager and it's really kind of this, broken thing. Like work is kind of broken like that. So we had this leader, leader concept. So everybody's a leader of something. Right. And whoever's managing the task in that specific area and owning the result, that's the leader. Okay. And we always, we believe in that. I hope that, I hope I could did a good job of trying to explain that. If not, y'all, we'll unpack it. Yes, you did. And it's excellent. Now I want to go back to fixing growth mindset because would you consider that to be a major cornerstone to the bulletproof practice concept? Well, yeah, because you wouldn't be listening. So I would say that most people listening to us right now are growth mindset. Right. You wouldn't be taking your time listening, consuming this content if you truly believed that ability was inherent. Everybody's just listening to this and saying, I want to get better. So you and I have a, a, a a filter on the top of our funnel because we don't get to meet a lot of fixed mindset people. They're actually, if you're doing this, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to me or Kirk, you're already you know, at the first level of growth mindset. You want to learn. You want to get better. All right. New for 2021, we want to invite everyone listening to join us on our private network. It's free to join. Join the conversation at bulletproof.dental. You can even download it in the app store. Just look for the Mighty Network app and you can download it there. But just point your browser to bulletproof.dental and join and sign up and start collaborating on um, some of the ideas we discuss on the podcast. Um, There's content there to download, and um, it's all designed to help grow and stimulate us together. Hope everyone has a great day. You're growing your dental team. 
you're happy with where you're going, but you got a few that just, they use the seven most expensive words in business. That's the way we've always done it. How do I handle that, Craig? So, you know, maybe I'm a hopeless optimist or I believe in the power of people and the, and the ability for people to change. Um, and fortunately, I've got people that do hold us to, you know, some s- stringent standards. So if you're just nice, you're not getting it done. Um, you won't make it in the practice. Uh, but I do believe in that adage of you're on the right bus, but you might be in the wrong seat on the right bus. So when we say that someone's a fixed mindset, they're not entirely fixed, nor is anybody entirely growth mindset. There's something that everybody has a unique ability to do. And what I always do is I, when I take on a new team member, I sit them down, I talk to them, I talk to every single one of them. I said, listen, you're here as a unique individual. I want your whole human persona to show up. I don't want you to be this robot that does exactly what everybody tells you to do. When we take a new person into this organization, it's like a soup. It changes the whole thing. So, uh, you know, this girl, Heather, just came on like last week. I said, the whole organization is going to be a tad bit more Heather-like now. So Heather, what is your thing that if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want to do in the week that you've been here? What do you think we need more of or less of? What can I do to support you? And the funny thing, you know what she said immediately? and, And people will usually have an answer right away. Heather said, we need more TikTok. I said, okay, are you, are you kidding? She goes, no, I'm not joking. We need more TikTok. Our TikTok sucks. I'm like, okay. And then I go to like my marketing person. I'm like, he's like, yes, we need more TikTok. I just don't have more time. I was like, hallelujah. Heather loves TikTok. Yeah. I don't know anything about Heather, nor do I know anything about TikTok, but I know Heather is not his growth mindset around TikTok. Right. So now, it's just find their zone of genius. Yeah. Go back. Use one of my favorite phrases. I know you said unique ability. Explain what that is. Oh, I don't know. I didn't even know I used it. I guess it's the, uh, it's your, everybody has something, something, something. Well, everybody has a a unique talent and attribute. There's no, there's a combination of characteristics that every human being has and those combination make something and that's your unique ability. So I, I have some super, I call them superpowers too. So it's what you like to do that you're good at and it drives passion and it drives, it, it feels flaw, effortless for you. So you meet someone, I, you could put me in a, in a position very easily because there's so many things I really don't like doing that I would be entirely fixed around. You could tell me I have to get through 15 pages of spreadsheets. Holy smokes, you'll, right. you'll create misery for me. So I know I can't do that, but you can give me other work that may be more difficult for some and I'll slay it with no problem. Right. So it's that is what your unique ability is. It's what you can do with little effort and you're good at and you get fulfillment from it. Love it. Love it. I absolutely love it. I use the word superpower all the time. And again, they won't let me hire here anymore, but that was one of my questions. I would say everybody has a superpower. If me you too. could put a label to your superpower, what would it be? And it's powerful to see what they say. You're like, that's interesting. And it's crazy, but I still remember what they say if they've been here for six years or seven years or 10 years. I can remember their superpower. Um, and they lose track of time doing it. Like they just enjoy doing it. So it's so, so cool. I want to get back to Bulletproof. What are some other key cornerstone concepts that would clearly define Bulletproof if I'm building a Bulletproof practice in the future? So it, we built it on pillars. So, and uh, it turned into gears because the pillars were not really a great infographic for what it is because you can build, um, 
you can, you can't build a, a two pillared table, even if the pillars are you know really strong. I suppose you could, but uh, right. I'm going down a rabbit hole. And now they're gears. So the gears of a practice are its culture, its leadership, its team, its marketing, its systems, its numbers. Those are the gears that run the practice. So we focus on each portion of those gears. So you could have amazing marketing. You could have amazing systems. You could have amazing patient inflow. And you could have terrible culture and your engine will seize. You can have fantastic culture and fantastic marketing and really bad numbers management and you'll fail as well because you won't pay attention to cash flow and sales do not solve everything. You can expand too fast. It's all about cash flow. It's a whole of the podcast. But what I was trying to say is a bulletproof practice has the ability to have all those gears turning. Some might be bigger. You might have a bigger culture gear that's able to turn the numbers gear a little bit better. But everybody has to have a, a, a good foundation of those pillars. And that's what Bulletproof focuses on. It's right. not just marketing or culture. Right. Now, I love the gears thing. So when I'm looking at all this, you talk about cultures, systems. Is there one that stands out that carries more weight? Than well, any, it like, depends on who you ask. Okay. Um, well, Peter's, Peter is an introvert. My partner, Peter Bolden, is an introvert. He um, is really focused on systems and numbers. And um, I'm an extrovert. I love leadership and culture. Uh, and I love to, and, and Peter, where we resonate together with the alignment is we both believe in the power of our team and the, and the power of letting people express their own individuality and running with things. So as soon as we get our why and what, and our results, we're trying to accomplish the why, meaning the values and how we're going to, and the ethics and how we're going to get there. And then the result that we want to achieve the process, we both leave it up to the person that's capable. So I, I see a lot of um, dental friends and colleagues and consultants wanting to script everything down to the process. And I, I think the process oftentimes, I mean, obviously there's a construct, a scaffolding, if you will, but I think the joy for the human is to create the process and the result. Why not? Right. So I, I like that stuff. I like giving yeah. people the result, letting them own it. Yeah. And you get to see a lot of these dentists and I feel like, you know, I'm like you, I'm the eternal optimist. Everybody that comes, this is an incredibly noble industry. You got some really good people that come into it. Where's the number one thing that great hearted people go wrong with Uh, young dentists? Like where, where would you say like, these are some of the biggest challenges that I'm like, no, don't do that. uh, Great question. Correct. Thank you. Where do good people go wrong? Great question. Great question. I'm so happy you. Uh, it's it, I, I've got I guess one that's just coming to the top of my mind, but I can't. I don't know if it's the number one. Just go there. But um, so I think as leaders, and if you're a dentist, listen to this. Uh, if you're an associate, it doesn't really matter. You're a leader. You're a doctor. People, your team looks at you in a leadership position, and I think we are oftentimes hanging up our own crap on these people, and we 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 limit what they can do. We underappreciate what they're doing. I mean, if you had a cone beam that you bought for a hundred thousand dollars and every time you push the button, it only exposed the the, uh, CT scan half the time. You'd be freaking out calling Patterson or Shine, whoever you or Benko, whoever you bought the pan, uh, the cone beam from saying, this is not working. It's only working half the time. You'd lose it because that's your physical capital. But we all know the most, the largest portion of our PL is the team expense, your human capital. And if your human capital is not engaged, if you're not appreciating and encouraging and developing your human capital, it will never appreciate and it won't work. But yet we turn a blind eye to that because we're like, 
oh, you know how hygienists are. You know, you know how they, I mean, I'm on these Facebook groups, a lot of them, I'm sure you are too. It's like, you know, it's time we get rid of all hygienists. And, you know, and, and, and by the way, like your admin people, you know, everybody, I need a new front desk. You know, it's like, I don't even need a human that can help develop my practice and handle patients' concern and help me fill my schedule. I need a piece of furniture. It's like uh, it, that, that word of I need a new front desk is so foreign to me. Immediately in my mind, I'm a very visual person. I'm like, is your desk broken? Did, right. did the leg break? So I think we need to, you know, and a, and a lot of the team members through COVID, you know, a lot of the dentists were able to get some relief, maybe PPP, maybe health, you know, the HH, I don't even know what they're all called, all the acronyms. But to the essential worker and to a lot of the, the, the young men and young women that, are, that might be single parents in our practice, those people got a small uh, check, one check, maybe a second one coming. Their kids are at home. They are suffering. And we come in as a doctor, you know, with your fancy car, making, you know, oftentimes six figures or more, and, and you hang all your crap on them. They've got it really hard. And I think if you could just be a little kinder, a little gentler, have a little bit more compassion, a little bit more empathy, get to know your team member, they will unlock their potential and your practice will fly. And if you don't believe it, I have no idea what to say to that, by the way. I just decided to say that. So, <laughs> you don't believe it, just look around because yeah. It's, yeah. You know, I was like ready with, I thought Kirk, you were going to be right in on that. No, 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 no. I'm going to let you, no, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down. Like that's my jam is, you know, we, we don't need to make this any harder. And I, you know, I had Howard on he's, and he said exactly what you said. If you, let's just take business real simple. Like if you're going to look at any dentist cost, 25% of them is going to be, you know, the human expense. And if you paid for a CBCT or a bunch of them that took up that much, I'm sure you would invest in training. I don't understand why dentists don't understand that either. And that's, that's essentially what you're saying is you're investing in the human capital. And I like the word investment. Like people say, well, it's a cost. No, it's not. You're investing in people that, and we all know with investments, you get great returns um, when you think that way, you know, but and by the way, Kirk, you could have someone that's literally the largest cost of any team member in your entire office, and they could wind up being the cheapest employee you have. Right. Or you could have someone who makes the least amount of money, and they're the most expensive. Dentists right. tend to overestimate how much is their, how much of their overall success is resting on their shoulders and underestimating how much from the team. So you can go through every course, every book, everything. If you tell a patient... Um, you need a crown and blah, 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 blah. And then they look over to the treatment coordinator and you walk out of there and the treatment coordinator is like, mm, I don't know, you know, you just, you failed. Your crown is not that great. If your admin team is handling your phone calls in, a, in an offensive manner, your dental work will not be appreciated. People are grasping for perceived value. So it's really important um, that you give them the value through an engaged and powerful like-minded team. Right. Now I'm going to have you back. I, I'm not kidding. I have like 10 more questions I want to ask you, but I want to be respect, respectful of your time. We still got to talk about your podcast and how people get a hold of the book. But I do want to ask you, how old are you, brother? You're how old? I am turning 50. You're 50. So no, I'm, I'm turning 50. You're turning, I'm turning 50. I'm turning 50 in August. Well, okay. How old are you, Kirk? How old are I'm you? 50. I turned 50 during COVID and uh, I'll be. So it doesn't turning, count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Okay. But here's, here's my question to you. And I, I, yeah, I've never asked you this, but I'm curious. You know, um, we might officially be paying, playing the back nine in our lives. You and I. Do you know what I mean? Like where we have less holes in front of us. Yep. And I have found that the game is different. The front nine is a fun, you're trying to figure things out. As soon as you realize, holy moly, I'm playing the back nine. 
It's a little bit of a different game. You're, you know, every shot counts, every hole counts. Like, what does the back nine look like for Scrape? Or let me just say this. The back nine sounds kind of morbid. But what does the future look like? for Craig Spodak. I want to know just like what's in your mind. I know you're always thinking about stuff. I want to know what you're thinking about for the next five, 10 years. So it's actually, I think at the front nine with a long trajectory ahead of you, it's always about tomorrow. Right. Um, what's going to happen tomorrow delaying what's going to be like tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll get it right. Tomorrow will be great. And then as, uh, as the remainder of one, my life is, is less than the, um, as less than what's happened, I focus on the day. Today, I want to have a good day. So when I have a bad day, I retrace it. When I have a good day, I retrace it. Like, how did this happen? How did I get to a place where I'm upset? So it's focusing on a good moment, which can turn into a good hour, which can turn into a good morning, which can turn into a good day. So my focus has gotten very micro versus when I was younger, I was macro. Like, it's going to be great in the future. And funny enough, in my poll from yesterday on Instagram, what comes first, success or joy? I saw a trend. The joy was in the older, you know, demographic or the people that I know because some people don't know who they are. And I mean, it's anecdotal, but I, I do believe that um, you'll get everything you want, and then if you're a high achiever, you'll wind up getting almost everything you want, and then you'll say like, "Well, I'm still not overly fulfilled," and then you realize, "Oh, geez, it wasn't really about that." It was about the process. It was about the journey. It was about having, you know, like people want to run a triath, uh, run a marathon. Is the marathon so important or getting in the physical condition that you can run the marathon? So the event is comes and goes and all these things that we try to achieve for. I want to open up my own practice. I want an associate. You get them and they're just goalposts. And then a goalpost goes and there's another one. So then you start to get a little bit more mature and realize the fulfillment's the goal. And, um, you know, if I hit the lotto today and had um, gobs and gobs of money, my life wouldn't change. I'd want to actually do what I'm doing. Um, you know, even the things I used to buy as a younger guy, I would like, you know, there's some status symbols that I'd want to buy. And I had this watch or that one. This is a Garmin, by the way. But it's like you have, I just want less of that, you know, and probably right. being a father is that as well. So having a child that just, you know, some of those tough conversations when you're, when you're having a small kid, like, hey, buddy, I, daddy's got to go to work. Well, why do you got to go to work, daddy? Well, I need money. Well, I don't want money. I want you here. And those type of little gut punches along the way, like, oh, what am I really doing here? Right. That's so powerful. I love it. So by the way, this is called Apple. So I heard of that. They made a limited quantity, only like 74 million. So <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. You're, you're, you're speaking my jam here. So um, now I, I do want to, you know, you've offered uh, your free BP book. Um, can you talk about what that is, how people get it? And for the benefit of people listening on iTunes too, like how do I find your bulletproof book? Okay, so our podcast is on iTunes, I mean, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that good stuff and YouTube. The book itself is on for, for sale on Amazon, or if you don't feel like um, that, you want to get a free copy, which I think you should, you just go to freebpbook.com, which stands for freebulletproofbook.com, and it's just bpbook.com. Or if you're an Audible type of person, you can go on, and we've re- I've recorded the Audible version, which I thought would take me literally a few hours and it was it was a harrowing experience have you ever done that Kirk? Have you, have oh, you ever I, have, that? I have no, it. don't don't do don't, that why not why not because i just um, you know i figured the book's gonna take me three or four hours to read so i'll bang it out you know yeah. and it's just like you don't realize when you when you're on and paying for studio time there's people listening how many times i misspoke do that part over what the sentence no the whole chapter i'm like oh shit 
So it was, but I, but I, I'm proud of it. Um, people say I did a good job on it, so I feel good about it. So if you uh, are not a reader and you prefer to listen, go to Audible and get the get the book. Yeah, I will say this though. I know it was painful for you. It's a huge benefit for people like me because I Audible every morning when I come in. I'm always getting a chapter in or something. So thank you, and I I will get it. Um, but what am I going to get when I download the book? What's it going to What's it going to What's it going to teach me? So the book itself is just if if you list it, I believe if you took every principle taught in that book and implemented it, you wouldn't really have to do much else. Okay. So I, 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 I do for, I mean, obviously there's clinical stuff that we don't touch. I'm right. faculty for Invisalign. I, I go and speak for Invisalign. I do a lot of that stuff. And, and obviously there's a, there's a plethora of resources for clinical information. So yeah. Peter and I with a Bulletproof practice, we try to stay clear of that lane. There's just so many trusted resources that, that I think, frankly, just do it 10 times better than we can. But there's not too many people like Peter and I who have like combined 150 employees and, you know, 15, 20 doctors and, and getting our butts kicked every day in the trenches, still practicing wet finger dentistry that can maneuver around a lot of the challenges that people have. So that's our lane we stay in. Uh, the book is, um, I think, is a, a really good um, understanding of what we've learned over the years. And uh, it's it's all free and it's all available for you. And I, my hope is that it gets in the hands of people and that you like it, you rate it, you review it, you pass it on. And that would be success for me. You know, we spent a lot of time and money putting it out there. And even if every listener that you have ever had buys two copies, we're not going to make any money off of it. It was it was a daunting uh, expense and uh, effort, but it's uh, I think it, it, it will help a lot of people. That's awesome. Now, on July 9th, you're doing your summit. Talk, talk about what that is, too. So um, we've done a summit or two every year. So we snuck in our 2020 summit by the grace of God the week before the world shut down. It was in um, Houston, Texas at the St. Regis. It was the last week of February, ended like March 1st. I remember being on the plane coming home from Texas and seeing a couple of people in masks and thinking like, that's interesting. They're wearing masks. I wonder, I wonder that that's, that's strange. And then meanwhile, like three weeks later, like we're all like, I was wiping down my mail in my, in my house, like wiping off oranges. Um, so it, we snuck it in right before the end of the world. And uh, it was great. We had 200 and some odd people there. It sells out every time we just focus on fulfillment systems, marketing, all the bulletproof stuff. We have breakout sessions. We're really proud because we, we launched bulletproof hygiene there. So my lead hygienist, Brittany Simon and, um, Pete's lead hygienist, Charissa, they launched their own podcast, their own lecture series. And we did it for the first time at the Houston summit. And we said, listen, this is your proving ground. Either you'll sink or you'll swim. And they flew. Uh, so we're going to be launching that again. And we're launching Bulletproof Team as well. So it's going to be July 9th um, in person in Austin at the Hyatt Regency. You can go to bulletproofsummit.com. Um, we're going to be doing 300 total attendees. Uh, the summit was launched three days ago, as this is recorded, 112 tickets have been sold and the early bird sold out. So I think people are craving, uh, in-person events. And if COVID God forbid is still raging, we have a contingency for that to make it very socially distant, but hopefully it'll be, um, it'll be in our rearview mirror by then with a the vaccine, God willing. Yeah. Amen, brother. Make sure you guys check it out. And I'm totally borrowing that sink. Swim, they flew. I'm totally yeah. borrowing that. That is awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Make sure you check out Ch uh, Craig's podcast uh, and just follow that. And any last words you have, Craig, uh, just words of wisdom? Yeah, my words of wisdom to close are that um, 
I want to talk to the to the person that's feeling uh, defeated, uh, that's feeling like the odds are stacked against them. Um, you're exactly where you're meant to be. Everything's exactly as it should be. There's nothing you need right now. Um, you're going to learn it. You will get through it. And uh, through the process of breakdown and breakthrough, that's what ultimately leads to your fulfillment and your happiness. So trust the process. You'll be get through it. Um, there's unconscious and conscious leadership. So it's not just what you say. It's how you feel. And your team picks up on that. So have a little grace for yourself. Uh, we've all learned. Kirk and I have learned a lot. And we're continuing to learn. So just have some grace and be patient. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. I really appreciate this, man. We're going to have you back. I do want to do the lessons learned like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we might have to have two hours for that one. So, yeah. um, you know, just there's, you know, I heard somebody say this. I can't remember who it was, but you'll never live long enough to make all the mistakes I made. So here, don't do this. You know, I think that would yeah. be valuable. I'd um, love that one. The don't do this podcast. That's five hours, brother. Five hours. All right, we'll schedule like two and see how far we get. But yeah, it'll be it'll be so difficult for me to get through because it'll bring up all the old pain I've gone through. But be- I could add a lot to that. <laughs> we'll do it. Do this. So, well, stick around, brother. While we say, we say goodbye to everybody else. Um, but thank you guys for listening and showing up at the Best Practices Show. I just want to encourage you that if you enjoyed today, like I did. Do me a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep sending suggestions for things that you want to see with Craig. I'm going to have Craig back over and over. If there's questions you want to ask, we're just going to dish it to him, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a powerful community. I want to encourage you also show up at the Facebook group uh, where the conversation always continues over there. And until we see you guys next time, keep watching. 